episode of breaking mayberry that's right 100 episodes of fiddling with the remote while rome burns i'm one of your hosts i'm marty schneider i'm the other host dan ludwig and hanging out with us today for our 100th episode celebration is a good friend of the show he's been here before you've heard him every year because you of course you listen to our christmas episode every year of course from christmas creeps and my former partner at something awful current releases and front row central and a bunch of other things Mr. Joe Wade. Joe, welcome to the show again. Well, golly! <laughs> Guys, congratulations on 100. Thank I'm, you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on tonight. I, I can't wait to celebrate with you. They told us we couldn't do it. <laughs> they told, they begged us not to. They said there has to be something better you can do with your lives. I tried to warn you, yeah. but you didn't listen. Get out of here, kid. You don't want none of this. And that's that's actually why you're here, right? Because you did try to warn us, and we brought you on because you are a North Carolina man. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm your your local Mayberry representative, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And today we are we're going up the river like in Apocalypse Now to see pure evil. Like, like this, this Wade is, the... is our guide into the heart of darkness. <laughs> This is the mid-level boss fight for us. Like I, I'm your Dennis Hopper. Let me show yes, you some things. Because we are not doing an episode of the Andy Griffith Show for our hundredth episode. No, 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 no. That would be far too simple. No, that wouldn't yeah. be punishing enough. No, no, no. We that wouldn't make us hate ourselves enough. Instead, we are taking on the Kickstarter fan-produced film narrative film Mayberry Man. You've heard us talk about it before. It's basically like written and produced by the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club, our enemies and eventual murderers. Yes, 100%. (laughs) And they made a fucking movie. They put together a goddamn movie of their own, and we watched it. But before I get into this, I want to celebrate somebody doing something nice. Nice with a, in quotation marks here. Vaguely threatening, but nice. Yeah. We have a new mascot, I guess. (laughs) A mascot was forced upon us at Breaking Mayberry. You know, I, I for a hundred episodes I've been complaining we don't get enough fan art, and that monkey's paw has curled. Yeah. Uh, so May- Breaking Mayberry super fan patron, not your guts, created us an adorable little character, a mascot named Maynard Barry. I'm gonna say Maynard J Barry. Yeah. Uh, he's a broken berry, which means he's a berry, like, with a body, but he's got, like, a head wound. And also, he sometimes cute. has a knife. He appeared as a vision and would not leave until he was made manifest. So, he, if you're looking at the, if you're looking at your phone or whatever right now, Maynard Berry is gonna be the art, the album art for this episode, and maybe all episodes going forward. But just a weird little berry man wearing scrappy clothing and saying ominous things like, <laughs> let me put this, are you prepared? Are you prepared to face the sort of death you've earned for yourself? I want to point out, in the Breaking Mayberry Discord, Guts sends these to us at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up to these. Slender oh, no. man shit. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's absolutely good. They've she's they've started putting it in uh, in the background of Andy Griffith episodes. So now there's a whole mythos around around Maynard Barry, which I guess is my my plug here to join the Patreon because you can get in on all of this. Not, Not a, a strong, strong plug. plug. No, Not no. a strong plug. Not my best. Uh, you can also see that on our Twitter page at Break Mayberry. See, I did all the plugs up front. Boom. Boom. I just imagine he has like like a Gomer Pyle voice, right? Oh, he yeah. has to. Oblivion comes for us all. <laughs> I'm behind you, watching you in the darkness. <laughs> Y'all just kind of sound like Goofy. <laughs> it's works. a thin line. <laughs> it's a very high pitched Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oblivion comes for us all. <laughs> <laughs> the darkness I'm... is encroaching on you slowly. I look. We already did Kingdom Hearts on this show. We yeah, covered that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you guys invited me on this show for the hundredth, and you said you had something very special planned, I immediately assumed you were going to say, "Let's watch Return to Mayberry," and I was ready for that. Yeah. And then Marty sprung whatever this was on me. Okay. Um, we should do a quick disclaimer because sometimes we watch something bad on this sh- on the show and then people watch that bad thing so that they can follow along with us under no circumstances. It's $6 on Amazon. Under no circumstances should you give these dicks your money. If you can pirate it in some way, cool. But like we'll we'll walk you through it. Do not join us down this. Yeah. Okay. So let, let, let's talk about this a little bit. So you've heard us talk about the Andy Griffith show rerun watchers club before and when we started this like i i thought like all right this is just like a fan club whatever i try not to shit on people for things that they like you know we all have have weird things i try not to judge people the more i learned about this group the more i like infiltrated their (laughs) their their like websites and things the weirder and stranger it became and finally very recently i read an article uh about the andy griffith show rerun watchers club uh, on metv.com. Of course it is. It was, What I learned was... I'll, I'll just read... First off, I will read the beginning of this. It talks about the, the founding of this club. Which is basically, at a frat party in 1979, a group of Vanderbilt students gathered before the television in the Phi Kappa Sigma house. Jim Clark, a North Carolina kid, put the club together. They were not doing, you know, your normal frat house things. They were a bunch of children... College kids getting around to watch the Andy Griffith show. It started out tongue-in-cheek, but it really caught on, Jim Clark told the Associated Press in 1983. I was surprised at how many people were fanatics about it like I am. Blah, 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 blah. After after graduating, Clark was writing as, working as a writer. He kept his Andy Griffith show club going. When a station takes it off the air... We write them. The 23-year-old explained. He's not 23. Maybe he was 23 in 1979. That might make yeah. sense. Okay. Anyway, they specifically, it goes on to say that they specifically exist, this club specifically exists to keep this show on the air. Meaning when people try to take this show off the air, they harass them. <laughs> they do letter writing campaigns to keep Specifically the Andy Griffith show. I don't think they've done a whole lot for Gomer Pyle or for the spinoff Mayberry R. And so they, their mission is clear. Keep Mayberry on the air. The Andy Griffith show rerun watchers club has 12,000 members around the world. So not a small number, right? Including, I think they say, let's see, Ted Turner obviously was a member of this. Of course, Ted Turner was. 
Ted Turner basically built an entire net TV network off of Atlanta Braves games and Andy Griffith show reruns. <laughs> anyway, so that's what this show, and they also you know credit themselves possibly accurately with getting the reunion, the Mayberry reunion or the Andy Griffith show reunion show return to Mayberry made in 1986, which is the movie that Joe thought we were going to make him make. Watch. <laughs> okay, so this weird cult. Is dedicated to harassing people to keep their show on the air. Fine, whatever. Fandom, not really whatever, but fandoms well, are weird. Like, you know, whom's, whom's among us has never signed a petition to bring back Firefly or some dumb yeah, shit? Yeah, you know when Community gets canceled for the sixth time and we all had to send, like, capes to the NBC office or some bullshit? Imagine living in a constant state of that voluntarily. Yeah, but, uh, I mean... Again, it is for a show that is the, it's for reruns. It's yeah. for it's you're yelling at them for taking reruns off the air. Uh, Fucking so, horrible. So, very recently, in the past couple of years, some members of the club, along with some fucking, I'm gonna say Hollywood washouts, who are all at some way related to the Andy Griffith Show, put together a Kickstarter campaign, and this kind of came across my desk for a what they call Mayberry Man, which is a it's a narrative film, sort of. There's not really any narrative. So they put together a Kickstarter. Uh, they got $150,000 pledged for $100,000. So that keep that in mind. $150,000 was the budget for this movie. And I will go ahead and read you straight from the Kickstarter what this film is about. This is a feature film period. A big shot movie star gets busted in Georgia for speeding and is sentenced by the judge to attend Mayberry Fest, a one-week festival in Mayberry, North Carolina, celebrating the Andy Griffith Show. Throughout his week in the friendly little town, he learns that with a little respect, kindness, and laughter, there is a little Mayberry in all of us. Yeah. So that's about the level of writing that you can expect from this film. And then the poster, which was made in GIMP, has a Porsche or a Ferrari with the California license plate Mabryman and they've changed the Hollywood sign to read Mayberry and the tagline is he was sentenced to a better life now what I should point out here (sighs) if you watch the trailer for this and maybe I'll put the trailer in here the main character the big shot movie star his name is Chris Stone his father was in the movie Walter Stone somebody who appeared in the in season three in a couple of episodes i don't think walter stone's a real person we've done season three already and i don't think he appeared but here's what i need to fucking point out to you here's what i need to point out the producers of this movie are a pair of brothers the producer and director are a pair of brothers their names are stark and court howell Mm -hmm. they are the children of hoke howell who you and i have seen in two fucking episodes of this show, he played the original Dud Walsh. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so everybody, every producer, everyone on this show, is, or on this movie, is like a fail son of the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Uh, let's can't, Don Knotts' daughter makes an appearance. Uh, Andy Griffith's daughter is in the producing, listed as a producer. The movie stars... Brett Varvel, who this name only makes only matters to me, he is the son of Gary Varvel, who is a political cartoonist, uh, a shitty one at that. Like, 
has opinions just as bad as like Ben Garrison, but his art isn't interesting or salacious or enticing or even good enough. His like, name get... sounds like you tried to say Brett Favre while really drunk. Oh, well, you might be interested to know that Gary Varvel is also in American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Of course. <laughs> Can I jump in here for a second? Please, I also have I've been talking for this. so goddamn long. Stark Howell, I have encountered, as a podcaster rather, I have encountered this man before because I looked up his credits on IMDb. And the only other like directing credit that he has is for 18 episodes of Hey Arnold. Yes. Specific- and specifically Arnold's Christmas, which we on Christmas Creeps have covered before. I watch Arnold's Christmas every year and it's so it's, goddamn good. It's legitimately I, I great. A great episode of TV. Yeah. It's wonderful. So. And uh, then this. And then this. So <laughs> thank you, Stark, for giving me that. And I mean, everyone here is a, a relative of the Andy Griffith show, which kind of puts their whole mission to keep the Andy Griffith show in the spotlight a little into question, like the merits of it, really. Oh, it's like, a bunch of people dry humping the corpses of their parents' careers. Like, that's what this movie is, is just people exhuming corpses and just being like, I'm like them! I'm also famous! So they say to write, you know, and this is a movie about a man who's claim to fame was that his dad was in three episodes of the Andy Griffith show. <clears throat> Whoo, boy, must have been a real stretch for these guys to write it, huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yikes. And look, look, I know I'm harsh on these people. Okay, so we uh, have had... A... If, if, if you've never listened to the show before, this is a weird one to jump in on. <laughs> so we have had a journey with these people. Like, when we started, we had, like, a, a mild fascination with the hardcore Andy Griffith show fans we briefly thought that we would interact with them in some way and kind of develop like a friendly rapport, which then sort of transitioned into light judgment where we tried to not be too much of dicks, but like also we're like, hey, you guys are kind of weird. And then by this point, open hatred and animosity, just I'm, like minute to minute bile projected at them. I mean, for me, the pretty much the dividing line was when the two members of, like, the two main members of this club appeared on the Mike Huckabee show to promote this movie. Like, it's it's not, it's God. not hard. It's not hard to guess the, like, political affiliations of anyone involved with this and how they would not jive with us at all. I don't feel that bad about doing this because, well, as we'll get into right here, there, there's, a, there's a fine line between loving a thing and thinking that you are better than other people for loving that fucking thing and that's what goddamn mayberry man is uh. <laughs> can i and i just say like if you took that one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and used that to like take you and all your friends to the actual mayberry days in mount Airy, north carolina you would be less embarrassed than you are <laughs> watching this movie have am i right that you've been to this shit is, i have i've been exactly one time and i've been up there to you know, various other like events in that town since then. It's, it's, it's not as cringingly embarrassing as this portrays it to be. Yeah. If, if this movie is supposed to be like an advertisement for Mayberry days, it doesn't do a very good job of it. It makes it, it look really like the worst not. thing ever. It looks was, absolutely agonizing. And look, I, I'm willing to give things the benefit of the doubt. I do. I'm willing to go and do stupid things like that are well, embarrassing or cringe. 
But Joe, Joe, walk us through yeah, walk your us through experiences yeah, tell us at about Mayberry. Mayberry. Okay. Well, so so just to kind of reiterate, like my experience with the show, if you haven't encountered me before, like I do live in North Carolina. I grew up here. And the Andy Griffith show, you know, being a show about and based on a small town in North Carolina, like it's just one of those things that we just all kind of grew up with, like just not really even questioning. Like, it comes on TV once a day, every day and has since the 60s. And you you just kind of grow up with it as like, OK, it's just a thing around here. Like you can appreciate it. You can say no, thank you. It's whatever. No pressure. But then like living, you know, I live within an hour of Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is where Mayberry Days is, is you know held every year, and it's a it's a quaint little small town. They have a couple of different like Andy Griffith Show things around. You can see the squad car, you can see Floyd's Barbershop and the snappy lunch counter, and that's about it. If you want to go to Mayberry Days itself, yeah, it's a pretty big festival, like a, like a street fair. It's you know it's it's any street fair you've ever been to is just with more emphasis on. I, like uh, appreciating see I'm, I'm trying to be very nice about <laughs> why this, okay if you want to be nice about this whole thing you we you we're gonna well, have to okay. cut that shit no, out no but no really like what you what they show in this film the way that people act in this film is not my experience okay. of going up there and seeing it firsthand it's all i'm saying like this is this is like what fans at a convention think like this is like they think that this is like a sci-fi convention for Mayberry Nerds, and it really isn't. I'm, is, I'm, it, is, it, is there like the the amount of cosplayers at it? The one time I went, I really didn't know. There were a couple, sure. Like, of, of course you're going to see a guy dressed up like Floyd. Of course you're going to see a Barney Fife impersonator. But that's really it, as far as I could tell. That okay, so like you but know? it wasn't just like wall to wall ant bees just rolling around. No, there's there's not a parade of Ernest T. Basses like running down the street. It's just not that. Okay. So wait, wait, wait so, so, so 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 this movie sorry. didn't match your experience of going there at all? No, not at all. Well then what the fuck were they doing here? Better yet, I, what the fuck are you doing here? Bye, Joe. <laughs> no, we'll You're see. Enjoy your night. <laughs> This is something that I found out while watching this and stopping constantly to research. Like, is this correct? Are they for real? They didn't even film this in Mount Airy. They filmed they it in not. Indiana at some other small town that apparently has a Mayberry Days of its very own. I'm sure this is what that looked like out there. They franchised? It's yep. spreading like a fucking virus? Yeah, Dan, do you remember when we watched <laughs> the credits? There was a lot of filming in Indiana for some oh, reason. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, they've got multiple of these fucking things going. <laughs> I will say, though. I like, want the fucking National Guard deployed. It could be in your hometown tomorrow. <laughs> I will say this, though. Like, I feel like they probably filmed this. Like, they had the festival. And then I felt like they had a fake festival for the filming of this. Because they keep talking about how the crowds are big and everything. And there are two dozen people at most in every single frame. And... It's so weird. This movie had a lot of, well, not a lot. This movie had some high-powered equipment that was used very poorly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there are scenes where, like, it's supposed to look like people are getting mobbed coming out of a theater, but because they don't know how to shoot in anything but a wide shot, you can literally see that there's only, like, 12 people standing outside of the theater, and you can see all the empty space on every other side of the street. 
And if you pay real close attention to the extras in these in this film, it's the same 12 people that show up in every single scene. <laughs> they all paid for this. Yeah. They all paid money. And, and look, and I, I know that I'm being like a dick about this. This is my Twitter brain coming in where I feel like I have to apologize for everything before I say it. I Look, if you want to go and make a movie with your friends about this thing that you love, you know, whatever. Do it. That's fine. What really gets me, uh, what annoys me about this particular instance is it's very sanctimonious. It's very, we know better than you and we know how life is supposed to be because this is the thing that we're into. Okay. No, I don't, I'm not on Twitter, so I don't have to like pull my punches like either of you guys. These people fucking suck. Okay. <laughs> like. He's not wrong. Yeah. Okay. No, this is like. <laughs> Like, take the worst fandom in the fucking world. Take, like, take Star Wars fans or Harry Potter people. And, like, at the end of the day, what they say about the thing is, like, well, you know, it makes me really happy and it taught me to be a better person or so-and-so-and-so. I looked at Luke Skywalker and he made me want to be braver. These motherfuckers are like, I like this and it's a profound statement on the nature of fucking America. Like, it is, like, I don't think... Like, I, I don't I can't think of any other fandom where they're like, this thing is great. And also it should inform every single way you interact with any human being ever. You should and how you all... vote. Yeah. Like, maybe the only thing that, like, comes close to, like, being a cohesive worldview is, like, Steven Universe fandom. And even though even they know when to fucking stop, like. there's nothing where it seems where it there's no fandom that requires that you take the thing they like and lodge it into your brainstem and operate on it on a permanent basis so it's been 25 minutes let's get into the fucking movie shall we let's talk about this goddamn thing okay it's every hallmark christmas movie you've ever seen yeah 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 it, it, it operates on like hallmark christmas movie like level but hallmark christmas movies have internal logic this looks like somebody read the fucking Wikipedia entry of a Hallmark Christmas movie. It was like, I gotcha. It's like someone loaded a Hallmark Christmas movie into a shotgun and blasted it in your face. Because, like, <laughs> all the parts are in different orders. Like, the emotional catharsis is over here. And the and the wacky sidekick is over here. And this part is over here. Like, it's all out of order. And just this kind of, like, insane cacophony of, like, Hallmark bullshit. So, in, in case you didn't know what this was, it opens with some real poorly written copy it opens with like a, a shot of the fake set that they've built in mount airy north carolina and like something written over it just like this tv show it's inspired generations and it's never been nothing has ever been more popular than this and it in gives us like, like that's that's the prologue in 1960 a father took his son fishing <laughs> and we've never stopped watching like they're dancing so hard around not saying the phrase the andy griffith show and i think it's because they legally can't say it is that what it fucking is is it like they C- can't like the CBS? big game with the super bowl maybe like i so they clearly got like the blessings of certain cast members who's like, you know, Don Knotts's daughter is in the movie. Yeah. But apparently they didn't get like the Andy Griffith estate couldn't didn't sign off on it. Somebody at Paramount didn't sign off on it. So they're just like, well, I guess it's just going to be cosplay of the movie then. It, it's, it's very strange. Like we should get this out of the way. They don't say the word Andy Griffith ever. It's so it's weird. It's so weird. 
it's bizarre, and I'm going to say almost disrespectful, that they go so long without fucking saying Andy Griffith's name. And I think it's come down to, like, they they don't give a shit about Andy Griffith himself, to be honest. No. Like, they don't care about it. They care about the idea of Mayberry to the point where they have willfully deluded themselves into changing the name of the show in their head. <laughs> And not just the show, but the town itself, because they never once say the name Mount Airy. It is, in fact, Mayberry. They call the town Mayberry. They're like, welcome to this place, Mayberry, which is a real location that you are currently standing in. I mean, if I was being generous, I would be like, all right, well, they call it Mayberry during Mayberry days, whatever. I don't give a shit. And and, and Mount Airy, North Carolina, does put a lot of Mayberry like shit into their. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the the Mayberry, the real Mayberry Tourism Bureau follows us on Twitter for a mistake. As far as I can <laughs> so it opens with this and then it starts in the gut in the courtroom. It opens in the courtroom. And I realized, why, why are we doing this? So it starts with Chris Stone on trial for his speeding ticket and for trespassing i guess or stealing okay no 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 so he's he's at trial for going 105 in a 45 and most the the big thing that people gasp at is that he parked in front of the courthouse and ate a peach off of their sacred peach tree which causes everybody to gasp i noticed that they didn't show him doing this which is very interesting to me they don't have peaches in California, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, so th- he's charged with that, and then Chris Stone's lawyer gets up and says, hey, we filed for discovery, and the sheriff never sent us anything, therefore, this is a mistrial. Which is a slam fucking dunk. True! 100% true! Yeah, and the sheriff is just like, what documents? It was a speeding ticket. And it's like, you still have to send that to him. I mean, if it's a fucking speeding ticket, my man, then why are we all here? Yeah. Like, this is a civil matter at best. Right? Like, like uh, uh, it makes no sense. They mail you a goddamn speeding ticket. I'm sorry, even the most backwoods counties of Georgia, well, they, they can look at your fucking license plate and mail it to you. You don't ever have to go to court for that. I've seen my cousin Vinny. Judges in the South take this shit seriously. <laughs> Herman Munster, you better listen to his ass. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But that, but that's that's for that's murder, my man. That's when you think you stole a can of tuna and you oh. are, actually got busted for murdering a clerk. Oh, everything is murder. It don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they got nothing but free time down there with their justice system. Anyway, you already know where this goes. Chris is like he doesn't pay attention in court. He's like calling his agent, and then. He gets sentenced to go to Mayberry Days in North Carolina, which look, I don't, I don't like to nitpick this fucking level. I don't like to do the cinema thing, sins thing where I look at plot holes, but a fucking judge in Georgia, in peach ass County, Georgia, cannot send you across state lines for punishment. Okay. I'm sorry. No, we have to talk about how fucking insanely egregious this judge's sentencing is because he says, all right, you, you, he, for your speeding ticket, your community services, you have to attend an event that I run for a week. You have to fly out to Georgia to attend my thing, a festival I do like with five fucking days of your life. No fucking like the lawyer should have just stood up and be like, well, I own this courtroom now so i hope you guys enjoyed having a town because that was several lawsuits that you just 
it caused to happen. All right, so so there it is. Like, I mean, I guess if that didn't happen, we ordinarily when people get this nitpicky with stuff, I go, well, if they did that, they wouldn't have a fucking movie, dumbass. But hey, guess what? We shouldn't have had this fucking yeah. movie. Woo-hoo. Come up with a better crime. Like, you you don't have to do speeding ticket. Say that he like stole something or was drunk driving. Like, drunk driving. Easy crashed enough. crashed a car into the courthouse. Yes, you know. Yeah. He, like, literally, he ate a peach and drove over the speed limit. I mean, I think that's one of the, like, failings. Of, and, and whenever I used to, re- Joe, remember when I used to have to review Christian movies for, for current releases? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed this this weird thing where since you, since they want to shy away from showing people doing bad things, then the redemption arcs never really make that much sense because we never saw the person doing bad to begin with like uh, for the first couple of minutes of this movie like his only sins chris stone's only sins are like he didn't pay attention in a trial that was clearly bullshit Mm -hmm. and he was snippy with his agent who we never heard the other side of those phone calls maybe his agent deserves to be fucking snippy with like chris stone actually seems like an okay guy for most for like the beginning of this they they don't do enough because they're pussies. Yeah, uh, he, he's he's just an actor. Like that's all we know about. It. He's just an actor. Like okay, I've met a few actors before. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. he's stressed about his career. He's yelling at his agent because his career is tanking, and he really needs to be in another movie. Like I've seen This Is Us. I know how this works. Yeah. What? What, Death Figure 8 wasn't big enough for you? <laughs> okay, we need to talk about the fake Oh, movies. yeah, nope, time but, for that. Okay, so at one point in time, we go to Chris's ho- Chris's house, and we see posters on the wall for his fake movies. And I gotta be honest, this is the best part of the movie. Chill. I love these fake movies. Chill, uh, which, which fake movie was your favorite? I mean, it's gotta be Vegan Gringo, vegan right? Vegan Gringo! <laughs> it's gotta be Vegan Gringo! That's such a... Oh, if... if if everything else in the movie was half as funny as vegan gringo, it's it's going to, that phrase might be the last <laughs> thing I think before I die. <laughs> like I was I was almost about to say like this this movie's greatest sin was like a failure of imagination, but honestly vegan vegan gringo is pretty damn good. I wish I wish they had gotten full tropic thunder for it, you know. I wish we had gotten trailers I, for these fake movies. Oh man. I genuinely want to see the movie slick tagline black is the new black <laughs> like i would i would kickstart these movies <laughs> so much creativity went into these three posters that just hang out in the back for one scene and i was just i lost my shit i mean can we fucking the movie that was his big break that he talks about a lot is called shingle town which just makes me think a town where everybody has shingles <laughs> i don't understand how you're supposed to picture literally anything else did y'all catch the other movie that he talks about early on in the film satan's game plan yes, yeah satan, i have that written which, down satan's which, game plan tanked right which i can only imagine is a movie about the devil coaching a football team which i have to see <laughs> This devil, the devil smoking, the devil coaching a little league team. Yes. <laughs> the devil came down to Georgia to help these kids win a state pennant. Oh my god! Let's go ahead. Park, so I want to kickstart that fucking movie now. 
<laughs> so they run through this shit. The the fucking courtroom scene ends. By the way, I was like, this is sub community theater acting on everybody except for I, I'll give credit where it's due. Gary Varvel is trying, right? Gary Varvel is not Gary. Brett Varvel. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Brett Varvel is trying. He's trying to be an actor. He's trying to do his range, and he like pushes all of his range out. In the first 12 minutes of the movie, like, they get to the, like, Dad was an alcoholic and he ruined my life kind of thing way fucking early in the movie. Insanely early. They have the big, like, cathartic, it's not your fault, Goodwill hunting scene immediately where he's like, here's all my baggage and here's my emotional catharsis. Dad was there for you. He was drunk and abusive to my mom. I haven't forgiven him. That's why I'm an actor. Here's all my baggage. All right, we're done. Cool. Here you go. That's all my depth. Okay. So again, cowards. Oh, look, I don't, I don't need to down. I don't mean to downplay emotional abuse or anything like that. Being in a bad marriage or anything, but I, Brett specifically says, like, or Chris Stone specifically says, he became an alcoholic and he was yelling at mom every night. Okay. That's bad. We all know it could be worse. It could be worse if you, you know, didn't want to redeem this guy in a minute or whatever. I don't know. Uh, He says all this, by the way, to his older brother who shows up at his house. And by older, I mean... A fucking full generation older. (laughs) A man who could be his father. Like, it's very weird. There are literally two people in this cast under the age of 50. At one point in time, he goes out, like, surfing with a guy who is supposed to be his best friend, I guess. We never see that guy ever again. Uh, But he's like, and, and this guy only says words like, you need to chill, man. And you need to relax, man. And chill, man. And those are his only five lines. When we anyway, go out surfing, you're going to have a super chill, awesome time. The waves are going to take away all your bad stuff, bro. Anyway, this guy has an AARP membership. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's so great. So they establish that that he's upset because his dad became a raging alcoholic and became vaguely abusive. Like, they don't really, like, say the degree to which he was bad. They were like, he was yelling, dot, dot, dot. So you could really put any degree of terribleness in, in that those parentheses. And then his brother just goes like, man, we're all over that. You need to just get, get past it. Right. He, he says, like, mom forgave him. <laughs> but, they, I mean, she didn't because they clearly split up, right? Also, the, the writing in this is so unclear that Dan and I at one point in time had to pause the movie and be like, is the dad dead? We had to have a I didn't long know. discussion. Yeah. Of- like, I, like, I assumed, like, dad was in, like, a convalescent home or something because at the end, it's it's made out to be, like, a, a tragic reveal. Like, oh, dad died and you know, in the, through the course of events of the movie. But it's not clear at all. No. Like, again, his, when his older brother, who is fucking, I don't know, Bradley Whitford, like... <laughs> that kind of like age and, and, and level of person comes in. And he's like, Hey, you should really be storing some of dad's stuff. And when you talk about storing some of someone, like someone's stuff in a movie, my first assumption is, Oh, dad died. That's that code. Hella dead. That's, oh, that, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how you tell some, that's how you tell the audience something without telling them something. 
And then I had to kind of piece together later. Oh, wait, dad's not dead. He's just in a home? Something? Did he sell his condo? What's going on with dad? Because I, I, I feel like there were, like, people didn't communicate with each other between scenes. Uh, older brother says, yeah, dad used to go to Mayberry Days all the time until he got too old. But then we get to Mayberry Days, and Alan Newsom, the leader of the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club, says to the crowd, Dad Stone can't be here this year, but he sends his regards. So is this the first year he hasn't been? I don't know. Yes? It's dumb. It's stupid. Shut up. I don't care. Also, uh, so they blew all of their money in the first, like, six scenes. Where, yeah. like... They spent all their money on Chris Stone's house. They spent all of it on his red sports car that he's, like, blasting around town in. And then they get to Mayberry Days, and the money is gone. Like, it is fully... They have they have blown all of it. And the production quality goes to absolute shit. I mean, I feel like half of this movie is shot in a La Quinta Inn. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, the hotel room scenes are, like, glaringly obvious. <laughs> they were paying for, like, the tail end of this movie with airline miles. Like, they I'm, were bleeding. I have seen porn that took place in nicer hotel rooms than this. <laughs> like, if you if if you told me that they they just strolled into town like, at the tail end of, like, a Mayberry Days event and just said, hey, can we pay y'all, like, a hundred bucks to just keep all the signs up for a week or two? Like, I would a hundred percent buy that because that's, that's kind of the look of it. Which at one point he walked into his hotel room and I I screamed, he's a movie star. He can't afford a queen bed. Like he was in a double tree in room with a fuck with two twins. The movie is really confused about how much movie stars make and how much like Chris Stone is worth at all entirely. Right. No, you see, Mayberry is a small town. They don't have fancy things like queen beds and shit like that. (laughs) Right, you can't I, rent a car in Mayberry. You gotta be shuttled around by the weird village guy. <laughs> okay, I gotta ask, Joe, as a North Carolinan, how did you feel about the portrayal of North Carolina folk? In First of all, movie? it's North Carolinian, but go off. <laughs> oh, I shut your corrected. ass down. I stand corrected. I'm just gonna have another drink here. Go Joe? sit in the corner of the podcast, idiot. <laughs> I mean, the su- the Southern accent, li- like, li- you're listening to me talk right now. I don't have that much of a Southern accent, but, like, the Southern accents in this film are so cartoonishly over the top. It almost killed me. <laughs> are you, like the- so in your, in your hometown, are you, like, legally obligated to be shuttled around in minivans by guys who won't shut up? Is that just, like, your equivalent of the subway? Because that was my impression from watching this. <sighs> So yeah, they, I mean that's pretty that's pretty much it. Unless you're the guy who owns the car, in which case, yeah, someone's in your back seat at all times. <laughs> so yeah, Chris and his personal assistant Shane, who has I'm gonna say big church gay energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could not put a word to what I thought about this man, but there it is. Church gay, like uh, yeah, it, yeah. There's there's no other. Like very like a lot of energy of like, hey, let's take off our shirts and wrestle and just see like 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 no big deal. Let's just hang out like Buds being Buds. <laughs> so he and Shane go to Mayberry together. They are shuttled around a guy named I don't know, Dennis. That's not his name, but it's, I, I'm gonna call him that now. Who's this big like bald 
big southern drawl. Hey, y'all have fun? Hey, blah, blah, blah. He's doing an Andy Griffith bit. Or he's doing a fuck. I, I wrote down, is this guy doing a Gomer? Is he supposed to be their Gomer? And no, because no, we haven't met that character yet. <laughs> Did you guys write down uh, ratings for all the cosplayers that you saw? Ooh. I didn't, but I should have. Like I, well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do that. that. We'll, we'll do that. And for the record, like this is what I mean when I say that this shit is pretentious. Uh, they don't call them cosplayers, Dan. They're called tribute artists. <sighs> Which, like, if you compare them to cosplayers, like the amount of like craft and love a guy puts into becoming Sephiroth compared to this guy who is like he slaps on a policeman's hat and is like, I'm gonna almost do an accent. I'm Barney Fife. I'm a tribute artist. Like, fuck off. It's really weird. And, like, like his, his Don Nuts is probably one of the better ones. Alan Newsom. We, I gotta talk about Alan goddamn Newsom, alright? This dude is... Our nemesis? I guess, I guess, bizarro world me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look. He's been doing this goddamn podcast, Two Chairs No Waiting, for 25 years or something like that. Like, in a way, I have some begrudging respect because he's like an old head of the internet. One of the earliest adopters. He's been doing this for so damn long and he's been so committed to this. He, he's fi- famous in the world. He, he, I feel like I have to have respect for anyone who builds a community like this. I do. But holy shit, what a weirdo! <laughs> it's and a been, shit community! No, you don't! You don't, been, under any circumstances, gotta hand it to him! He's been doing this Floyd impression for, I don't know, most of my lifetime. And it sucks, man! It's not a great impression! No, it's ass! <laughs> it Honestly, it sounds more like he's doing like a, a really awful like Bob Dylan kind of half-asleep impression I got, than anything else. I got Rip Taylor, but yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has, he's memorized all the mannerisms. He knows to do the stutter. He knows the thing to do his, with his hands. He knows it, all the maneuvers. with the tie. But he it doesn't have any of the heart behind it. Like, he's not, like, actually being the guy. He's just his normal ass self, and he's like, oh, and now I stutter. Like, he's just doing the things. If, if anything, he's doing a very good... He's doing a very good impression of Goober Pyle doing an impression of a celebrity. <laughs> Which is a joke you all don't get, but you'll get it in the next episode. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But he does that He does that joke in the movie, too. So, oh, they bust out a Goober Pyle. They really uh, do. Uh, uh, oh, look, man. I just... Okay, so my piece about the Barney Fife guy in this movie. Yeah, okay. Because of course, oh, about oh, that guy. Of course there's a Barney Fife guy in this movie. And if you've if you've lived on planet Earth long enough, you've probably seen a Barney Fife impersonator on TV. That man's name is David Browning. They apparently could not afford him for this movie. Go on the Go Mike on. Huckabee show, and there will be five Barney Fife impersonators on there. Like, Wait, hang on. Tell Sorry, Dan, I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> Joe, tell me more about this Barney Fife impersonator that you know by name. I only know about him by name because I looked him up last night. But this guy, like, if you live in North Carolina, you've seen him in countless, like, 
commercials for for like used car dealerships, <laughs> he will invariably show up as Barney Fife to say that we gotta nip these prices in the bud. Okay, all fine. the time, and he's been doing it for thirty fucking years. Okay, fine. If you if you live in North Carolina and you can do a decent Don Knotts impression. More power to you. You're set for fucking life. The, but like, what I'm saying is, like, this guy, he's the guy. His entire his website, he has like an entire like six page list of all the places he's played Barney Fife in the world, and they couldn't get that guy. Uh, no, who what they did get was Rick Roberts. And gentlemen, I just put Rick Roberts' website in our chat. Okay. Uh, Rick Roberts is available for entertainment and keynotes and clean comedy for your uh, corporate events and retreats. <laughs> Oh, I hate it. Oh, great. Oh, God. I just hate looking at his face so fucking much. I'll say this. I am impressed by, like, maybe these are old photographs, but he manages to age himself about 15 years in this movie. He, okay. All right. So, he is sort of a good, he's sort of a good impersonator. Like, he kind of gets a piece of it but the problem is he looks absolutely nothing like the god like don knots like not even in the same country as don knots so seeing a guy commit this hard to doing the character while looking fuck all like him is so disorienting like it's unpleasant to watch it feels like someone like Wearing Don Knotts' face as a skin suit. It's horrifying. For the record, like, Karen Knotts, Don's daughter, is right there. And she's got to watch this dude do impressions of her dad while looking nothing like... Did she sign off on him? She must have, right? She's a fucking producer on this. Yeah. Do you think he walked up to her and be like, Hey, Karen, it's me, your dad! Do you yes. want to go have a game of catch? Yes. Yes, I 100% believe that happened. Which is also embarrassing because Karen Knotts is 50 goddamn years old. <laughs> you know what her, before this, her last feature film credit was? Uh, Hobgoblins 2. Oh, <laughs> but K- Karen Knotts does show up in the show, in this movie, to plug, her, to plug her one-woman show tied up in knots. It, and to be clear, this, this is... Everyone gets a plug in this movie. It is the Karen Knotts' appearance in this movie is unfathomably sad because she shows up and she like is like, hey, I'm Don Knotts' daughter. And it sure is great when all the fans of the Andy Griffith show come to my one woman show tied up in knots and like just this desperate pleading plug and then later they show her coming out of her one woman show while being mobbed by fans and it's just it just reeks of desperation so yeah back back, 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 back to alan newsom he's been doing this for so long and he runs this entire community and i'm gonna say yeah he 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 runs fucking his, his podcast, the way that I'm kind of... Sorry, Dan. The way that I'm kind of the force between Breaking Mayberry. Yeah. Like, 100%. I'm the one that forces you to do this. So, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like I'm seeing a weird version of him. Or, like, he could be, like, a bizarre world version of my dad. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Dad. You're way cooler than that. I'm... Uh, I apologize. Fuck. 
he has he has dad energy, but like your friend's dad that's always kind of around. Like like, like you, the friend's dad that keeps interrupting your sleepover. Well, I I fucked up raising my own kids, so maybe in a weird way I can help raise somebody else's kids. <laughs> that was that. A, that's a better Floyd impression. <laughs> Joe, kill this man and take his job. I don't want that job. <laughs> I don't want that heat, man. <laughs> then you're going to be doing a podcast about how I'm terrible twice a week. <laughs> That is actually how you become the new Floyd, is you have to kill the previous Floyd and then drink his essence, and now you are the alpha. And Santa, really, Santa Claus rules, yeah, which really, Joe would know all about, now wouldn't it, he? It really is true. You keep what you kill. <laughs> it it operates, the, the Mayberry universe operates on Riddick rules. Okay, okay. It doesn't not run on Riddick rules <laughs> till Mayberry verse come. You know, I think every good fandom should in some way resemble the Necromongers. I, I've always said that. What is the spike to the neck if not a nip in the bud? <laughs> I didn't know I had so many Riddick jokes in me tonight. I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, we, uh, look, look, we're we're at an hour mark, and we've barely gotten to the part where Chris Stone shows up in Mayberry. Okay, okay. oh, so no, Chris, this so is Chris... going three fucking hours. Are you kidding me? So Chris Stone shows up in Mayberry, and right away, I, as someone who has been to Mount Airy, immediately goes, "That's not Mount Airy. Look it up. It's it's Danville. It's not even Danville, Virginia, which would have been fine because that's like a stone's throw from Mayberry. No, this is Danville, Indiana, the other the other fake Mayberry in America, and I'm immediately just incensed at this, like. You couldn't just go to the fucking place, you guys. Really? That, that is driving me insane hearing you say that. Why would you? Why? First off, I don't understand why Danville, Indiana. Maybe I don't understand why Danville, Indiana has anything to do with the Andy Griffith show whatsoever. I don't know why they have their own festival. But they're weird creeps. Like, but, but, if, but like if, if the real answer to this was, oh, COVID happened, like, I could at least respect that. But no, Malnary shows up in the movie that makes it even more fucking inscrutable. 100% the government of Mount Airy wanted too much of a cut. That is what it was. I like, believe it. Yeah, they were like, oh, you're filming a Andy Griffith show here? We want 10%. And they were like, let's go to Indiana. Because they had to film some scenes there, right? They show up at the, like, fake jailhouse that we've seen on CBS Today that Ted Koppel sat in. And so it was like, hey, so how did your show feel about black people? <laughs> and pissed <laughs> off a lot of people. But that that's also, this is kind of the follow-up to that. We did an episode earlier where, we, where Ted Koppel ate, like, bit on our shit. You owe us money, Koppel. <laughs> Fuck. And these people got real mad about that. Anyway, so they, they clearly have done did some scenes in this, and they went to the Loaded Goat restaurant. Joe, you've been yes. to the Loaded. You went to the Loaded Goat like last week, right? I, no, well, not last week. It was like a couple months ago. But like, like okay, so at this point in the movie, we're forty minutes in, and I'm still like, where the fuck is Mount Airy? And then all of a sudden, there's a scene where Chris and his assistant go to have lunch at this restaurant. It's called the Loaded Goat, which is a reference to the Andy Griffith Show. 
that's the actual loaded goat. I've been there. I, I know exactly what it looks like. That is indeed that restaurant. So I know they at some point made it to Mount Airy. How Over is the, the loaded goat, Joe? He, Chris is not lying. Their burgers are fantastic. Okay. All right. Cool. But by my count through the entire film, only three scenes were actually shot in Mayberry or in God, I even I'm doing it now in Mount Airy and actually made it into the film. So like 98% of the film, Indiana. Fuck, fuck that. That's insane. That. Holy shit. Fuck that. That is okay. So absolutely I, infuriating. I mean, who would you say is the worst cosplayer amongst all these? The worst cosplayer is definitely the guy playing Mr. Schaub. Oh, God. So there, there's a guy playing Mr. Schaub who, Schwab? I, it, it's, it's an Andy Griffith joke that I guess we haven't gotten. We just now hit it in an episode that Dan and I haven't recorded yet. We just now hit the first appearance of Mr. Schwab. And and remember, we're at the end of season four. So we're more than halfway through. Mr. Schwab is a character. I guess he appears a bunch of times in the Andy Griffith show, 20 times or so, and he never speaks. And they couldn't even get a guy with real hair. It's the guy, incredible. We the, were just like, who's that guy in the unbelievably fake wig he's like a fucking party city wig all of these people look like they are doing halloween costumes it it doesn't even it looks like someone just took a large mitten and just glued it to the top of his head it doesn't even look like a toupee it it looks like a pom-pom it's fucking incredible my actual thought was did fake floyd fake cut his fake hair <laughs> Because it looks like it. Can we talk about the montage? There's a montage here of like all the stuff that, all the neat stuff that happens at Mayberry, including like uh, a Darlings impersonator playing some bluegrass and. Like, yep, I've seen that. Okay, we're checking them off the list now. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Dan and I are like, okay, I get that. We're basically just being the fucking Chris Evans gif. I understood that reference. I understood yeah. that reference. And then they. For reasons I don't understand, must have been because they were in Indiana, not Mount Airy, North Carolina. Yeah. They cut to Alan Newsom, the Floyd impersonator, like giving haircut demonstrations at a quick cuts. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking strip mall quick cuts and like the whole cast, like the, the whole fucking quick cut staff is around him or great cuts. I think it was great cuts. Great the clips. Whole, yeah. Great clips. Yeah. Do you think Great Clips Corporate signed off on that? Because no. I don't. No, 100% off. What, they slipped the manager of it 200 bucks, and he really hoped that this didn't gain enough traction to get him fired. <laughs> Nobody what? at Great Clips Corporate's ever going to see this. It's okay. Uh, I will make sure they do. <laughs> okay, I take back everything I just said. I think we should leverage our ability to say, tweet at Great Clips and tell them that this happened. Get so, someone fired. <laughs> I'm going to sport cuts. Goodbye. Yeah. Just just tweet at the manager and be like, hey, did you know there's a movie that called Mayberry Man that was filmed in one of your locations? And just have a couple of calls made. So Chris is in Chris is asked to sign autographs at Mayberry Day. Not his own autographs. Autographs of pictures of his father. Which is an insane thing to do. Yes. Like, imagine doing, well, that's because that, but unfortunately, that's the thing people at fucking Mayberry Days do, which is like, like they, people 
like have the the person that played Ellie, her, her daughter, show up and they're like, can you sign pictures of your mom? And they're like, hell yeah, I can. Like, that is a thing. Like, can you sign this picture of your dead dad in his name? Yeah, I totally can do that. Fuck yeah, give me 20 bucks. I mean, okay. I, I once went to a screening of It's a Wonderful Life where Donna Reed's daughter was presenting and told some stories about her mom during the filming. So I guess that's kind of the same thing. But, like, I don't want her autograph. It's a he- weird thing. Anyway, so, so every... All right, we should talk about this movie's three jokes. Oh, yeah. There were movie- three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have three moves. The first one, well, I don't know if I, I call it one of the, They have a reoccurring thing of two competing documentaries about Mayberry Days. Oh, my God. Which are both okay. real. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. The, what was it? The Mayberry Effect and My Life in Mayberry? Something like that. Yeah. It was Mayberry, my hometown. Yeah. Which both of the documentary guys show up and they sit on opposite sides of Chris Stone and they have a, a wacky feud. Would you call it that? Would it qualify as wacky? This could have been good if they had committed to anything. It's the, the, I think the thing against it is it's kind of realistic of how two guys with competing documentaries would act if they were both at Mayberry days together, which is not very funny. It's just two guys being kind of dickish at each other for several scenes and then so the big the big joke they keep harping on is chris stone thinks that because he's a big movie star he's gonna go to mayberry days and everyone's gonna mob him oh these these bumpkins are gonna mob me and go all you know go crazy and he's not famous there no one knows who he is they all know his dad except for the youths because i don't know young people know things that old people don't Ah, oh, you were in Vegan Gringo. <laughs> I love Vegan Gringo, man. <laughs> fucking a what else? And they do this for roughly forty minutes of the fucking movie, man. Like, oh, it's the whole middle act. Yeah. How did? Were there times when you were watching this where you had to pause and you saw how much movie you were through, and then you screamed to the heavens? Several times. <laughs> several, several times. Yes. We like we would we were watching this together and we would pause and be like, oh yeah, one sec, I gotta get something. Fifteen fucking minutes? It's <laughs> only been fifteen goddamn minutes. And then like just I stopped like, it when I showed Marty the the loaded goat, and then I realized, oh god, it's only been forty minutes. Yeah, and then just a blood curdling scream to the gods. Fucking! It, it took three hours to watch this hour and a half film. I want I want to briefly circle back to their gomer because i would put him down as the worst uh, impression of all of them because one he did not really have any sort of like voice or mannerisms and two his really only qualification for being gomer was that he looked like he worked at a gas station for a really long time like he looked like he was living gomer's lifestyle of being partially homeless and working at a gas station (laughs) i don't know how to say this I thought he was in blackface for a couple of scenes. Just life had hit him that hard. And it like, turned, turns out, no, he was just filthy. Yes. There's a thick layer of motor oil all over his face. It's not a great look anyway. And then, yeah, you get the, the 
It's kind of like a postmodern cosplay because you're like, well, what would this person actually be like? And the answer is wildly upsetting to be around. And look, everybody gets a moment like this. Like, they, they specifically go to the jail just so that the Otis impersonator can do his thing where he stumbles into the jail and locks himself up. Yep. Uh, and I have a note here. How dare you do my man Hal Smith like this? How dare you do that to Hal Smith? Was that man supposed to be drunk? Because he went and he was like, he just kind of act like did like a grimace, robble, robble kind of, and then locked himself into a jail cell. Ain't nobody played fucking drunk like Hal Smith. He was just nobody fat. He was just a fat guy. And they were like, well, this is the same thing. Like, I gotta, I gotta ask a question here, guys. What do you think the purpose of this movie is? Like, if their goal here was to get people more interested in the Andy Griffith show, it fails. Because in order to get any of this, you have to be an Andy Griffith super fan. Well, like, the copy that they put out for this says it over and over again. This is by fans for fans. This is a love letter to the fans. It's a tribute to the show. It's pure fan service i don't know a single person who would actually want to watch this on purpose i mean okay i guess i get that sure and if you and your friends want to put one hundred and fifty thousand dollars together to make a fucking fan movie sure whatever but here's the thing guys this was in movie theaters they got this got a theatrical release there are independent films that are that are not eligible for oscars because they went straight to netflix that, this movie is technically eligible for Oscar consideration. <laughs> Screening right now. Guys, I, I see it on the website. Here's we the should thing. vote for it for best popular movie in the Oscars. Here's the fucking thing, guys. The hubris. The hubris of this all. I'm embarrassed to tell people to listen to my podcast. I am ashamed of this thing that we do. If anyone tells me, like, hey, you have a podcast, I go, uh, whatever. These people made a goddamn movie because they like a TV show. I they desperately, made a fucking movie. I desperately and they asked other people for money. To not be podcast guy at work. Like, I, have, I scrub any possible awareness that I have a podcast from anyone I could work with. And they're just like, yeah, man, I devoted my life to a TV show. Hell yeah. Just the utter lack of shame. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird to, like... I get it. Like, if you're into a thing, you want other people to be into it. But, like, the assumption that just, like, you're gonna be into this thing. Like, I don't know what the point of this is. I don't know what... King of the Hill is my genuinely my favorite TV show of all time. I love it mm. to death. I would never in a million years spend $200,000 making <laughs> Arlen Man. Okay? Yeah. On the other hand, you did spend how much time cutting together every single time Bobby Hill said okay on on uh, King of the Hill? 18 months. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was heroic. That is to be commended. I, it was for fun. Okay. <laughs> I watched that video. Costed cost no money whatsoever. Honestly, I I find that video pretty funny. I made that video and I posted it on Twitter, and within like two minutes, somebody corrected me and said, "Actually, you missed one." (laughs) (laughs) Magnificent. 
magnificent. <laughs> Beautiful. So as much of a super fan as I think I am, there's crazier people out there, and God bless them. I mean, like, really, can you imagine, like, One Piece fans getting together and being like, hey, we made a movie about what it's like to be a One Piece fan. Like, here's all of our cosplayers, and they teach you the meaning of America. Like, doesn't exist. Would not happen. That's, I mean, I have a note here. Like, these people want to, and I can't believe I'm about to say this sentence. These people want to have the clout and credibility of Trekkies. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. But, I mean, it's impossible. It's, like, for whatever its, you know, credits or faults are, Star Trek was a television show about something. Like, Star Trek said things. It said things over and over, very loud and very preachy. But the thing, Star Trek was about something. And people have spent a lot of time discussing and arguing and talking about the philosophies of Star Trek and the future that it provided. Not even that. People watch Star Trek and they're like, man, I really wish I could be an alien with pointy ears who could karate chop people to death. And the fans of Andy Griffith's show just went like, man, I really wish I could be in a sheriff in a town with no black people. Like, that is just... (laughs) Their their relative ambition, like a there's, there's one is a utopian vision of the future, and the other is a white person's vision of the past. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, there it is. Well, that's just, that's the scope of these people's dreams. Like people like, like we, we compared it to the people that watched Avatar and got really, really depressed that they were never going to live in Pandora. And like, at the time we laughed at those motherfuckers, but now it's like, yeah, man, you want to live in a fucking paradise. Yeah, Pandora rules. At least Pandora is a good place. Yeah. And, and And this is my point is that it's very weird. They have just like. I've watched, I've listened to some of these podcast episodes. I've watched a lot of them. They have a whole, like, series about, like, Mayberry devotionals where they try to, like, tie an Andy Griffith Show episode into a Bible lesson. Some of them work, some of them don't. But it's very weird, like, the the, the, the commitment they have to this. And yet their appreciation, their, like, engagement with the work is so shallow. Yeah. So surface level. Dan, you and I have definitely done way more deep diving into what this show's philosophy and overall view is than these people have. They know all of the, like, like behind-the-scenes stuff. They know all of the trivia, but that's what it is. It's trivia. It's trivial. Yeah. They've done zero engagement with the actual art. If they had, they would know for a fact that there are multiple episodes which say, man... Small town life kind of sucks shit. Chris Stone, he has to go to Mayberry Days. He's, okay, so let's fast forward to the the moral of this lesson, which is like, Chris Stone is forced to be at this event. He reacts realistically. He gets horny for a lady. And then at one point he's like, fuck it, I gotta get out of here. He gets in a car, he drives away. He almost hits a turtle, pulls over to the side of the road, and he goes into the Mayberry Trading Post, which has been open since 1892. Post is a real place. Yeah. He walks in. And he talks to an old guy and the old guy says like, well, you know, everybody's got complicated lives and really it usually is complicated because of their own choices and actions. And Mayberry is just about being content to sit down and watch the clouds and that being enough. 
And that's what America is about. And Christone is just like, well, I'm not an asshole anymore. I'm super into everything. And that's so like, that's basically the moral of the story is just like, hey, all of your problems are your own fault and you don't look at clouds enough. And Chris Stone is like, yeah, fuck yeah, I get it. Okay, so are you, saying that the, are you saying that the moral of this movie is go touch grass, you nerds? Basically. <laughs> Let's talk about that scene it, first They off. don't explicitly say like, like, you kids are on your phone too much, but they're basically like, you kids are on your phone too much. Let's talk about that scene a little bit, all right? So Chris, hi, like, he steals Dennis's Kia, and he drives his Kia Sorento, uh, <laughs> like, a, a mile out of town. He gets a phone call. He's looking at his phone because he's about to, like, take a call from his agent. Turtle is crossing the road, and he goes, oh, no, a turtle. And then are we supposed to believe that he, like, goes out of control? Like, again, it's so non-committal. Like, he... The music plays like he's going out of control, but really, he just kind of, like, pulls off to the side of the road <laughs> somewhat harshly. Like, maybe he, maybe his seatbelt might have locked up because he went, oh! Yeah. So I mean, but they're acting like he would, he just went crazy and, and spread like out. Like, he flipped and, the car. And showed up here at this mysterious outpost. It's like a knickknack shop. And then, yeah, a man tells him about the the like miracle of mayberry mayberry is just any place where people are respectful and nice to each other it's all over the place it's in north carolina it's in indiana maybe it's even in california and i got there screaming of course it's in california they made the fucking thing in los angeles (laughs) (laughs) that's that is just the insane thing about is like you coastal elites like you mean the people that made the fucking show like, you're so close. Y'all are so close to seeing the point. And then, oh, uh, no, we missed it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. And so, obviously, like, we all see this coming from a mile away. This ends with, nobody's been at the Mayberry Outpost for 20 years. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. But it, it, it has, makes no sense. It you has know? the revolutionary worldview of, like, hey, you know those problems you got? Have you ever tried just not having problems? And Chris Stone is like, what? I mean, in fairness, that is exactly how Andy Taylor approaches every single problem on the show. Like, so have you, you are those bills piling up? Can't pay electric this week. Have you ever tried just not having that issue? You ever just tried having having more money? And then just like like, oh man, you cracked it! So I gotta ask, guys, because this is the only thing I can say that makes any of this make sense. Was that old man supposed to be Andy Griffith? That is, we were all, we were both bracing for it, be like, well, okay, he's gonna have, like, this big, dark moment, and then he's gonna, like, sit down, and then an Andy Griffith cosplayer is going to show up, and he's gonna have a big, heartfelt conversation with the Andy Griffith show cosplayer, and then at the (laughs) end, they're gonna be be like... like, and, and then like at the end, it'll be like, well, there was no Andy Griffith show cosplayer. And then he reveals that he actually talked to Andy Griffith. But no, that was just a guy in a fucking beat with a beard. Because he doesn't look or sound anything like Andy Griffith. So, like, in order for the big reveal that he was a ghost or whatever or a spirit to make sense, I have to know who the fuck this guy was. 
And the only thing I can figure is that he was supposed to be Andy Griffith, despite looking and sounding nothing like Andy Griffith. See, at this point in the film, like, I had just resigned myself to the fact that, okay, they they clearly have not cleared any, like, image of Andy in this. We're not going to get any Andy. So my first thought was, like, a, abandoned shop, abandoned little storefront and counter. Guy shows up. Oh, this is a Shining reference. He's talking to the bartender, and, he, and he's Jack Torrance, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he's all, what he will like. have always been in Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could easily recut the Mayberry Man as a Shining, like, uh, horror film like, half of it, it takes place in a motel anyway and and, and if I'm, I'm if i'm being serious and honest like the main failing of this is they didn't go hard enough on like any direction but like any like direction that made this somewhat interesting like yes make mayberry man a horror movie please for the love of god well it is like the shine they definitely had to cut a part of that guy saying the n-word so it did have the shining <laughs> similarity in there too <laughs> And the fun girls were basically like the old lady in the bathtub. So <laughs> kind of the same. I'll come play with us, uh, Stone, forever and ever and ever. <laughs> little little redheaded kid on a tricycle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, it, it doesn't make any sense. It just it, it doesn't work for anything. And then he's like, OK, well, I'm a nice guy now. Should we talk about the I don't even want to call her the love interest. The woman in the movie? <laughs> the woman with three lines in the entire movie? The woman who exists. Like, there's, I don't know, fairly attractive young woman in the movie. So Chris is like, and she's supposed to be the, like, organizer. Everyone says, oh, Kate's the person organizing this whole thing. Kate runs Mayberry Days. Why? Like, yeah. what, 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 what does Kate get out of this? Like, what is Kate's motivation for this? Kate never explains her reasoning for doing all this. Like, he, and she doesn't do anything to prompt, like, him liking her. He's just like, hey, baby, I sure do like the way you occupy physical space. Oh, uh, yeah. I Check mean, in out. fairness, in fairness, every shot she's in, it's all negative space except for her. It's like a blank <laughs> wall and then a woman. So, hell yeah, that's the, you're right. That is the most attractive thing in this shot. That is where my eye goes. I'm That's just basic cinematography, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it goes back to like this is the, this has the structure of a Hallmark film. It's like, of course he has to go to the small town. Of course there has to be the love interest. Of course he has to learn a lesson about life. But it's all just so perfunctory and like underwritten. Like, uh, why? Why anything? I gotta say, like, she has he has a couple of conversations with Kate. There's a weird like, oh, you young people in your hookup culture, because he's. He asks his his gay friend, like, hey, how would you make a move on Kate? Gay friend is like, don't make a move. Just get to know her. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's dumb. It's very, like, youth groupy. But Kate, I don't remember a single line she says. Because she talks like this. I have to get real close. She doesn't deliver any line above a whisper. She's just like, like, all of her lines are like, I'm busy. I sure am busy. Gotta go over there. Gotta set up some folding chairs. Oh, I'm so busy right now. I sure am busy. Well, the one, goodbye. The one scene where he actually, like, hits on her directly to her face, and she just goes, yeah, no thanks. That's very uh, funny. That's like, so crazy, because, like, in a Hallmark movie, she would have been like, I don't like you for these, these, and these flaws that you need to resolve. And she's just like, nah. 
Not and feeling then, it. And then no. she apologizes, though. Like, yeah. I was on Kate's side. She was just like, yeah, I'm not into this. Bye. And then, like, the next time we see her, she's like, I'm sorry I was a bitch who wasn't attracted to you. <laughs> sorry for that outburst. I didn't mean to fly off the handle like I did. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck, movie? Blandest turndown ever. She wasn't like, you need to get over yourself. You think you're such hot shit, Chris Stone? Well, you're not too good for Mayberry. You're not too good for these people. You need to learn small town values. She's just like, oh. I, I I recognize your romantic advances, and while I appreciate them, I do not reciprocate them. Thank you for your time. Have a gift basket on your way out, and I look forward to our business collaborations in the future. And then she's later like, man, I, I'm so sorry. I fucked up there. I flew off the fucking handle. <laughs> so fucking bad. This woman did nothing wrong. No, not well, a bit. Not a bit. She arguably didn't do anything to begin with. Right. She's true neutral. <laughs> I mean, she's the director of Mayberry Days, so eh, I don't know. All right, so let, let's talk about the. That film's, is true. Let's talk about the film's only like hint at conflict, right? Which is the, that the most insane thing I've ever seen in a motion picture. Yes, go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Actually, I'm sorry. Teaser, folks. Let's talk about the one wacky hijink that happens in this movie. Is that after uh, Chris gets the Mayberry spirit, he's hanging around with Alan Newsom, who is Floyd. He's hanging around with Floyd and Barney. And they're talking about how many... They're talking about how how, how, they, they really like the squad car. That they've got, but it's a replica. They they could only get themselves an original squad car from the television show. And Chris goes, well, I know where there's a squad car. There's one over in Wilmington. You know, Wilmington, North Carolina. Which, not to dox you, Joe, Joe but isn't that about where, about where you are? That's where I went to college, yeah. Yeah, okay. And he goes, yeah, there's one over there. I filmed the movie over there. There's a movie studio. I've got one over there. Which made me wonder, why the fuck did that that trial have to take place in georgia <laughs> yeah okay I, i'm still back on the georgia thing right it makes no <laughs> sense but we're I, not getting over georgia look I, I get my peaches out in georgia oh that shit uh, like okay okay listen they give a plausible reason why chris stone would have been in georgia right the judge says well i get movie stars all the time they come to georgia they come to atlanta to film their movies and they think they can do whatever they want Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. A lot of movies are filmed in Atlanta. Spoiler alert, one of the studios that films in Atlanta is Screen Gems. Where is Screen Gems headquartered? Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> okay, I, we're, we're gonna, I'm just going to assume, based on that information, that the movie studio they go to is, is belongs to Screen Gems. I have to assume that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so they give a plausible explanation. But if you're going to say that Chris was already in North Carolina anyway, then what the fuck, man? Why? Yeah, I, what? I know. <laughs> okay, so so Chris says there's a there's a squad car out in North Carolina or out in Wilmington. Let's all go there. And so the fucking cosplayers and Chris drive in a car. They go and they say like, hey, they trespass on. 
the movie studio property. They find the car. It's unlocked. He asks the Barney impersonator, do you want to sit in the squad car? Pause, and- pause, 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 pause. One sec. We need to stop it apart. Because they drive, they, these three guys get in a car together. And they are alone. And they are driving to this studio. And Alan Newsom and the guy cosplaying as Barney start having a conversation. Where they are referring to each other as Floyd and Barney exclusively there is no one there it is not mayberry days anymore they are three guys in a fucking car at which point chris Stone should be like oh you dudes are like we need to get you to a fucking doctor because you are fully delusional it's so weird it's like again it could be good if they were playing versions of themselves if they had the self-awareness it's so weird the lack of self awareness in, in all of this, right? Like th- they could have almost had a, like a moment of truth where where ugh, they could have almost had a moment of truth where he he like says that to them and they just turn around and say, "Hey, fuck you! This is fun for us, okay? Just let yeah. us have this moment." Just but they don't us, do that. Let us have this. I, like he does yell at them. He's like, "Hey, man, why are you doing here?" Like, how many times do you think Alan Newsom has been tased while trying to break into Howard McNear's house? His hit upwards <laughs> of four. He, oh, the, the McNear family estate definitely has a restraining order on that man. Yes. <laughs> they have a shoot-to-kill order upon <laughs> Alan Newsom. It's so weird. And uh, look, my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is Galaxy Quest, right? And mm. if there's just a little tiny hint of self-awareness, if they had gotten in the car and just been like, whew, all right, man, what's up? How's it going? And they do do that just for a second, because, uh, just for a minute. One yeah. second where they go to the, the thing, they go to the movie studio, the Barney Fife impersonator gets in the car, makes, how are we going to describe the face that this guy makes, fellas? Uh, Eldritch horror. Like Cthulhu's orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it, it's like opening the Ark of the Covenant. I felt my face melt off. It is. He does, I want the thing, I want that scene tried in the fucking Hague. Like, it is unholy. Because he tries to do all of the Don Knotts facial expressions unsuccessfully in rapid succession, which I can, the result is a man who is trying to move his lips up above his forehead. Like, his lips start, like, wandering all over his face almost defying like all natural anatomy as his eyes try to claw their way out of his skull. Did I capture it? Is there anything? I I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. That's pretty good. Yeah. While they're there, while they're there, they stumble across some car thieves trying to steal another car. That's it's a general Lee, right? Yeah. It's a general Lee. Yeah. So I guess this is just like a classic car collector or whatever. So there's some car thieves, they say that they're going to steal the General Lee, but you know you know what car thieves generally do, guys? You know what, what, what one thing I know about stealing cars? Is you want to take as much time as possible. Yeah. You want to hang around and talk about the thing you're going to... What's that movie called? Gone in 90 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they sit around. They, they stumble across a car theft in progress. But they just kind of fucking jaw jack. Like, it's, they just kind of stumble across some guys hanging around the General Lee talking. 
and they go, well, you're gonna, they're going to steal this car. Should we stop them? Uh, Barney Fife would stop them, and then we get we drop kayfabe for one second, and the Barney Fife impersonator goes, my name's Warren, man. <laughs> I work at a hardware store. This is, I'm very uncomfortable with all of this, and not, I don't, I don't want to go almost die, please. I would like to go home, not back to my family because they don't talk to me anymore, but I hate this. And they're like, well, what would Barney Fife do? Triggering his, like, delusion. I'm going to say Dan just put 500% more effort into giving Warren some character development than Warren does himself. All he says is, my name is Warren. Yeah. It's, like, almost sad that this, like, poor guy is like, please, I don't want to die. And they're like, Barney Fife demands that you sacrifice yourself to stop a car theft. Uh, Bleed yourself on the altar of Fife. So they do manage to stop the car theft because the quote-unquote actual police show up. But somehow the actual police uniforms look faker than the fucking Don Knotts uniform? <laughs> they just hired, like, a Blackwater mercenary for that one scene. <laughs> it was cheaper than hiring a fake cop. No, Blackwater has fallen on some hard times. Yeah, dude, Blackwater... No, you're wrong. Blackwater has money. This was, like, Sentinel Mall security. <laughs> well, then they did it pro bono, then. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Under okay. the goodness of their black hearts, they showed up for an Andy Griffith fan film. Red Triangle, or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves, are are just like they 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 have like all corporations a charity initiative, but it's just for bullshit like this. So okay, so then they, they I guess they all drive back to fucking Mount Pilot slash Mayberry slash Danville, Indiana, and then we get the the conflict of the movie, I guess, which is that. Kate, who, may I remind you, is the organizer of this event. We are told multiple times that Kate runs everything at this place. It's literally her only character trait. The judge from Georgia, who I guess plays Mayor Pike or one of the mayors, shittily, doesn't do a fucking Mayor Pike impression whatsoever, doesn't at all look like a fucking honey bear trapped in a hole uh, says hey good job i'm gonna go ahead and say that your probation has been set settled here i am just yelling your personal business within earshot of everyone that's cool he walks off i don't know 10 feet away and then kate goes what do you mean probation you mean you didn't want to be here like, you was that did, not obvious? Yeah. Yeah, did he act for any point like he was here of his own free will? He basically, like, was actively trying to escape. And everybody's, like, hurt for a minute, right? That, like, he quote-unquote lied about why he was there? No, he didn't. You never asked. Maybe you should have asked, Kate, the organizer of the event? <laughs> Like, hey, is my keynote speaker going to try to flee into the night at any point? I should probably check up on that. Why did the judge who appears at this event every year not tell Kate what was going on? And then all of the cosplayers kind of gather around. Out of nowhere, there are only like three in the scene to begin with. And then there are ten. Like, 
none of whom Chris has interacted with this entire time. And Don Knotts' daughter is very disappointed in you, sir. And they all kind of go, oh, you didn't really want to be here? And he's like, I want to be here now. And they go, okay. Yeah. They're like, he was like, yeah, but I learned my lesson. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Conflict averted, which again, that's how they did conflict in the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Drink. You can learn anything in 22 minutes. (laughs) Or 0.5 seconds. However long it takes. (laughs) He's just like, yeah, man, an old ghost man told me that, I don't know, I should chill out more and I'm happy now. It's, it's like that Garth Marenghi's dark place thing of like, I know writers that use subtext and they're cowards, but it's like, I know writers that use basic conflict and they're cowards. Like, it's just so shitty. Ghost told me to touch grass and then I showed a fake cop a fake (laughs) cop car. I love this place. I, I made a mentally ill person attack a bunch of armed criminals, and now I've learned the meaning of America. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> so fucking terrible. I do, I do want to shout out one of the weird... There's a lot of horrible product placement in this, but the one that is the most egregious is that at one point, Chris Stone calls his, his assistant... And is like, hey, where the fuck are you? And Chris's assistant is like, I'm golfing. Hey, where are are we? And three guys just go, you're at Twin Rivers Golf Course, the best golf course in all of North Carolina. Again, looking in the camera, best golf course in North Carolina, Twin Rivers. Let's also yeah! let's also point out that there is. By the way, that that golf course scene contains the only moment where I laughed at yeah. this entire movie. Uh, that character also later buys a home from Values Home Realty. Yeah. Values Home Realty. <laughs> selling homes in the greater North Carolina area. And, and inside the triangle. Sorry, and it was family values home realty. <laughs> Twin Bridges Golf Course Golf Club is, of course, in Danville, Indiana. So it's it's not the best anything in North Carolina. <laughs> the oh best golf course in North Carolina God. is Pinehurst. You might have heard of you might have heard of a little golf course called Pinehurst. Yeah, that's here. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like the, North like, Carolina should sue this fucking movie. Like I <laughs> listen. I, I am I am like mostly ambivalent on the subject of the Andy Griffith show. I'm genuinely embarrassed to have seen this movie. I'm embarrassed for my state. I honestly, from having watched this. I would have assumed that your the place you grew up is a shithole. <laughs> like it's a very poor representation. Like wow, this place looks fucking horrible. And now I know it wasn't even the same goddamn state. I mean, much like the Andy Griffith show, it's a facsimile of nothing. <laughs> oh my god, I'm losing my fucking mind here. Guys. It's insane. This is precisely why you had me on this episode, and I appreciate you guys. <laughs> That means it, that means it was. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That means they took time out of this movie to look directly in the camera and plug a golf course incorrectly, <laughs> six states away from the place that they claim they are they're actually standing. It doesn't even work as a plug because you can't go there. I'm gonna because go to Mayberry, I'm... North Carolina, and look up Twin Bridges Golf Club. What do you mean I can't find it on the map? <laughs> 
None I'm, of the things you said in that sentence are real. That's so word. great. Like, oh man, I do that golf course that I saw a corner of sure did look great. I do. I can't wait to go to North Carolina to go visit it. Plugging it into Google Maps. Oh, that can't be right. Joe, you may have just said you were, you may as well have just said you wanted to go play air hockey in Narnia. <laughs> I mean, do you guys want to go play ping pong on the moon? Let's go. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. That would be a very hard game. <laughs> you would need a ping pong table so big. One serve and it's over. <laughs> Oh my god, are we done yet? <laughs> I want to go play darts in the world from Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go play Foursquare on Crematoria. <laughs> Is that what that fucking planet was called? Oh yeah. I, I'm not that clever. That's what that planet was called. Hell, well, arguably neither are they. <laughs> well, I mean, I couldn't come up with something that obviously stupid, you know? Come on. Please, can we get to the end of this? I have I have sleep to get right now. <laughs> no, I've done this no, long I'm, enough. I'm I'm playing around. Let's keep on trucking. <laughs> I think that's I think that's everything I got. I think we've gone through my notes. <laughs> the the la- like the last little twist in this like like I thought they were done, right? Like I yeah. thought like, oh, he learned his lesson and he got the girl in grade. Okay, fine. But no. It's like six months later, or however long it was. Chris is back in his home in Malibu in the house that he claims he bought from Clark Gable's estate, which whatever, fine. Quit quit lying to me, Mayberry days. (laughs) And then he gets a visit from uh, fake Floyd the Barber and fake Barney Fife. And they're out of character. They're like, they're actual real human selves. And they act like real human beings for half a second in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then Chris announces that he bought the movie studio. Yeah. Right. Because, right. So, because he presents the town of Mayberry with the squad car from the movie studio. It, it, it's just a shitty version of the, I bought the airline is like line from inception. Yeah. And I mean, like you saw the car, it was a rusted shit box. That was like way worse than the fake one they have back in Mayberry. Who cares? I don't, I don't fucking get it. And again, right. I thought, Chris was worried about his career. I thought his last movie tanked and he was running out of money or something. They so get, he, they, they don't really understand how much money people make. So he bought a movie studio and not, not just any movie studio. He bought screen gym. He bought screen gym. Yeah. He, Chris Stone is starring in resident evil movies. Now, apparently <laughs> he bought, he bought a movie studio. You know, that thing that mid-level actors can do just like on a lark, a guy who has a film career that's not going great just buys a fucking movie studio. I really loved when Bruce Campbell bought Lionsgate. I thought that was a really solid move on his part. (laughs) Jeremy Renner now owns A24. That's going to go in a weird direction. Yeah. All the main actors are now wearing pork pie hats. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Fucking, uh, yeah. How, in-universe, right, how well-known do you think Chris Stone is, right? He's not He's not an A-lister. Like he, no. was on, he was on a TV show. He was in a couple of movies. I'm going to say he's, like, on the level of, like, a David Arquette. Ooh, okay. You know? 
I'm I would willi- give him a little more. I know. I wait. Like m- David Arquette now, or like, David Arquette in the nineties. Like Scream Two, David Arquette. That's kind of where I feel like he's 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 kind of. I mean, that's ag- the level. Ag- again, again, Marvel has broken everything because I would put him like at a Chris Pratt or a Jeremy Renner level. Mm. I would put him at Renner. I think I would. I I would put him at like actually I think yeah Renner Renner is what I would say like but like Renner now not Hurt Locker Renner Renner like in this exact moment. You know what that kind of tracks yeah yeah like I could see Chris Stone having his own bullshit iPhone app sure <laughs> the Chris Stone app I will one hundred percent download the Chris Stone app for updates on Chris Stone's career and. <laughs> When is Vegan Gringo 2 coming out? <laughs> I need to know. I want behind-the-scenes photos from Satan's gameplay, and I want them yesterday. <laughs> so then, look. Does he ev- decide that shellfish is okay? I have to know. So then everybody, like, shows up. There's a really weird scene where uh, Chris's mom, who I guess I think might be uh dixie griffith i don't know but like this dude has happy birthday sung to him twice in its entirety yeah Uh, turns out happy birthday is a really fucking long song yeah he calls his mom who he has moved into his old house and she sings him happy birthday and then alan newsom and the fucking barney fife guy show up and then they take him outside like hey look everybody that you knew in mayberry days all these people that you definitely interacted with yeah. You know, off camera, they're all here to sing you happy birthday too. What? And he's and, like, come on into my house, bunch of strangers. And then Kate is there too. And that is when also they do the reveal that like, oh, there's never been a Mayberry trading post in years, you weirdo. And then oh, movie over. I they know. reveal that he's kind of forgiven his father. Has the wonderful message of like, Hey, are you traumatized by your alcoholic dad? Walk it off, pussy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like just absolutely, like, just, just squeezing in a nice little toxic message there. Barney Peter 10! Yeah. It's, it, it was agonizing. I think it was the worst thing. Like, we've watched terrible shit for this, like, but usually, like, fun terrible this was physically painful this was like getting waterboarded with folksiness and again look it's just it's so pretentious and sanctimonious about the whole thing right if it was just i i'm i'm always willing to leave like things like all right i wasn't the audience for this you guys put together a bunch of money to make a movie for yourselves whatever like there's probably a better use of one hundred fifty thousand dollars Maybe for $150,000, you could have given the camera to someone who, I don't know, knows how to operate a goddamn camera. There were multiple points in this movie where I yelled, focus, focus the goddamn camera and then start the shot. The best part was when they were doing a tracking shot and you just yelled, did he just fucking trip? Yeah, there are tracking shots all over this where you can tell that the, the, the wheels are bumping on something and like they don't even care. They're not doing a second take of this. We it just have to move. Very charitable of you to assume that there were wheels, my dude. Like, 
That no, is giving them a I, lot of credit. I'm I pretty assume, sure it was a I, guy holding a camera. I assume I, that they just took like a baby Bjorn and just trapped it <laughs> to the front of a guy's chest and then put the camera in that. I have made enough shitty tracking tripods in my day to know what a bad tracking shot looks like. And they definitely just, just dragged a fucking desk chair across concrete. They, I will 100% go to the mat that they asked the cameraman, hey, Carlos, do you want some sort of apparatus to put the camera on during this tracking shot? And he was like, nah, man, my hands are steady as shit. <laughs> like, he was like, I got this. There's definitely at least one time where you can see the camera bounce up and down with footsteps. Mm. Like, there's at least one, and it's some like romantic scene where our characters are, are like, talking to each other fucking i don't know hey there's small child in roller skates you want to make five bucks today (laughs) let me balance a camera on top of your fucking head anyway look you guys want to make a movie for yourselves fucking more power to you but you are actively making the world worse yeah (laughs) like if if this was like i don't know like a deadpool cosplayer the most annoying kind of cosplayer Mm -hmm. making a youtube video i'd be like this is dumb but whatever but these are people who literally build fucking life lessons around this shit they literally come to say that this is the way that they think the world should be they vote that way they campaign this way you know, these people are actively making the world a worse place, and it's because they believe in a made-up land where there are no black people, and uh, one big brave daddy solves everything. But we can't say his name. It's like G-D. <laughs> <laughs> it's too holy to say his name. Fucking disrespectful. Alright, look, if you can't get cleared from the Andy Griffith estate, don't make the movie. Yeah. It's... It's kind of, I feel like we discovered, like, the, like... A cult! We discovered a cult! We discovered, like, the worst guys. Not, like, in terms of, like, sheer amount of evil they've put out in the world, but just, like, in terms of, like, like their stats. They're real low. Like, we discovered the worst collection of people. Just the most pointless human beings. It's, it's, it's awesome. We It's, like... The banality of evil fan club, right? <laughs> it's such a boring, unrecognizable thing, but just so deeply, deeply disgusting at its core. If you spend three and a half goddamn years thinking about it like we have. You know what's awesome is that immediately after uh, sentencing Chris Stone, that judge denied bail to a black teenager. Uh, <laughs> and then booked his flight to Mount Airy, North Carolina that day. I'll, I'll, I will give them this. They, he flies into the Mayberry Municipal Airport, and I stopped the movie because I wanted to know, does Mount Airy actually have a fucking airport? Holy shit, they do. They got something right. Kind of, sort of. Good for you guys, Mount Airy. <laughs> You have an airport. Nobody uses it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Oh, God. So Mayberry Man 2, when's it going to happen? Fucking, they'll probably, like, raise a half mil on on Kickstarter immediately after this. I mean, I don't know, man. Look, first off, we haven't even, 
mention the fact that Clint Howard is in the credits, but not on the mo- not in the movie. How did they not get Clint? It's not like Ice Cream Man 2 is coming out anytime soon. He has all the free time in the fucking world. Do you think, like, how much, <laughs> taking bets here, guys, how much of that $150,000 budget do you think was Clint? 20 bucks. <laughs> I was going to say, like, like are yeah. we thinking four figures here? Here's that's, a checks and leave me alone. That's kind of, so that's the question is, it, it, how much disposable income does Clint Howard have versus how desperate is Clint Howard to make this movie? That's a real unstoppable force, immovable object. I think I think slight even slightly weirder than the like mention no mention of Andy Griffith is that like if Chris Stone is a big Hollywood actor I guess he's probably met Ron Howard at some point right Ron Howard yeah. totally directed uh, Vegan Gringo Ron Howard yeah. yeah that seems like a fucking Ron Howard movie it went straight to Netflix it's some fucking hillbilly elegy shit. But, like, he's probably hung out with Ron Howard at some point. So it's really weird that they don't fucking mention that ever. But when you see Clint's name in the credits, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, what could the plot of Vegan Gringo possibly be? <laughs> like, like, okay, let's, let's think about this. I think that Vegan Gringo is about a LA or San Francisco hippie. Mm-hmm. It's a fish out of water comedy about an LA or San Francisco hippie who goes to a Mexican slum on, like, a, like, let's say, Peace Corps mission. And it becomes, like, a dangerous minds kind of thing, where he teaches the cartel kids about, I don't know, healthy eating, and they form a garden together. They put down the drugs and the guns, and they for- and they put together a garden. That's what Vegan Green goes about. See, I think it's about, like, a Hollywood actor who's really big into the, the vegan scene. Mm-hmm. And he gets arrested in Tijuana for speeding. Mm-hmm. And the judge forces him to spend a week in a Mexican barbecue festival. <laughs> I'm going to say that he's like a cool hitman operating out of Tijuana. But his defining trait is like people are like, hey, man, you want to eat some chorizo? And he's like, no, nah, I'm vegan. Like, like that's his defining characteristic. It's like his, his cool quirk. Oh, it's like that uh, that that Pierce Brosnan movie, The Matador. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he's always fighting those bulls. <laughs> I've seen The Matador. Yeah, but I'm assuming that they're like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Be like, "Nothing much. Just fought a bunch of fucking bulls." <laughs> <laughs> I so during the end credits of this movie, they show they show like all of the Kickstarter like credits all the people who kickstarted this stupid thing and it goes on for like eight minutes <laughs> and i tr- I tried to like look through it but then I, at some point i noticed they must have done it by tears because it would go in alphabetical order yes. and then it would run out and then it would start over again yeah dan and i noticed the same thing <laughs> no it was no no they started you alphabetical order and then got bored like they were sorting them by alphabetical order and then they were like well this sucks just dump the rest of the fucking names in there i'm out of coffee and it's 4 a.m and i gotta go to bed i just copy paste i'm done bye guys yeah but i noticed there was one name like i recognized as the brother of a friend of mine so i had to go onto discord and say hey can you ask your brother a really weird question for me did he kickstart an andy griffith show movie thank god he said no but Uh. like 
it was such an oddly specific name. I thought, there's no way. There's just no way. And thank God. No, he didn't. Or he lied. Or he why lied would you to admit to that? I did notice there was one guy in the credits uh, as a back as a backer named Randy Travis. I, I saw to, that. I had to go back for a second to be like, that's not the Randy Travis, right? That reminds me, everything in this movie treats everything like a cameo. Like, like everything in this movie acts like I'm supposed to know who this is. Stark Howell has a scene in this movie. Like, the producer shows up in this movie to, like, be a guy checking in at the hotel. And he's like, whoa, this is wild. Are you going to have Ernesty e. Bass here? And it, 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 like, focuses on him forever. So you're, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Was he on the Andy Griffith show? Like, who is this dude? Like, it's clearly someone. It's no one. <laughs> it's just some dude. <sighs> it's awesome. Well, yeah, anyway, it's not Randy Travis. Number one, I can rec- I can recognize Randy Travis on site. I'd be like, is that fucking Randy Travis? Number two, Randy Travis has more than $150,000 kicking around. Like, if he wanted to make this movie himself, he could. Oh, uh, oh, the music. Guys, the music. Oh, so yeah. there is oh, actually man. a subsection of dad rock that is divorced dad rock. <laughs> <which> I discovered <laughs> through this. It, it it always has like that Randy Newman kind of vibe of just like singing a song about what's on screen, but it's just like it, it, if if the writing wasn't good enough, the song. Don't worry, the lyrics will tell you what's going on. Oh, is are we? Is Chris upset? Well, here's a song called "You Can't Kick Me Around." <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's. The lyrics are all so generic where it's just like, gonna have a good time with my friends out in the town. Like, just the most generic sequence of events narrated to soft guitar. <laughs> I hate to break it to you guys. I have discovered the Mayberry Man music video. Oh, fuck you. Jesus. <laughs> fuck you, you son of a bitch. I'm clicking this. Yeah, one sec. Oh, okay, yeah. This is This is the music video for... For Mayberry Man, which is a song, it's a theme song, and it plays over the credits. Right there now have been it's... 934 views at this point. Oh, by the way, I've got to point out that Levi Riggs wrote this song with Stark Howell and a man named Jefferson Denham. <laughs> <laughs> Levi and Denham together at last. <laughs> <laughs> So that guy's clearly in witness protection, right? <laughs> Why oh. am I listening to this? I, I okay, this isn't that, a music the show, video. The show just stopped so we could oh, listen wait, to this song. Hold, hold on, hold on. You gotta jump to the 106 mark. <sighs> oh, there there's a are. crowd. The cosplayers storm the oh, stage. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's the, it's the red carpet event for the movie. Yeah. Alan Newsom is going around pretending to cut people's hair. <sighs> Jesus. Oh, okay. Brett Varvel shows up as Chris Stone. The fucking, the Gomer is doing a horrible little dance in the background. There's uh, the I hoot- can't. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, there's I'm the jug man. There's, there's Chris Stone. Look at that guy. 
All right, I'm done with this shit. I'm yeah, done with this. I'm done with it. It's horrific. That uh, drummer is putting in real effort as if he's trying to escape this band. I don't know what to say here, guys. Like, nostalgia is a disease and fem- and fandom is a cult. I almost said femdom is a cult there, which is a different there. thing entirely. Holy shit. <sighs> Uh, All right, gentlemen, did we learn anything from Mayberry Man? Well, as Bob Dylan once said, nostalgia is death, which I think has never been more effectively illustrated. Uh, I mean, like, it's it's in these people's vested interest to keep, like, people interested in the Mayberry cinematic universe. It's very weird to me, because, like, these folk don't even seem to like anything beyond season five all that much right first off i want to point out we didn't get they're in the credits but i didn't see a single ant b in this movie i didn't see a fucking hell and i don't know there was briefly an opie by which there was a kid with a bowl cut yeah there was a small red-haired child not Um, even red he was blonde it was the kid from the dvd cover of the mayberry effect yeah. It was yeah. just a picture of a kid who looked like Opie. Fucking like, Yeah, but yeah, but this, I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know. Like, from what little I know about, like, the later seasons of the Andy Griffith show, like, nobody really cares about the color era because did you see a Howard Sprague cosplayer in this no, movie? No, right? you did not. Yeah. No, there's there's no, like, and it's, it's strange that these people have built an identity around, like, the first five seasons. I guess there was one guy from Gomer Pyle USMC. The sergeant shows up, which is weird because that's distinctly not Mayberry. But whatever. And there's no there's no reference to Mayberry RFD because no one gives a shit about that show. Danny it, Thomas cosplayers don't show up. None of that shit. It it you know no one's doing a face in the crowd. Like it's very fuck. I mean, if you had like one guy dressed as Matlock, it would make more sense. Yeah, but it's it would be as if. And I guess some people have done this on the internet. If you based your entire, like, existence around The Simpsons Season 3 through 9. I mean, there's certainly white men who have tried. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... That's half of Twitter. This was just like watching absolute carnage, but nobody is aware of it. Like, it's like if I was watching Chernobyl, but everybody in it was smiling and having a great time. Like, everybody's just like, let's go play volleyball! Yeah, our skin is sloughing off of our bones! Woo! <laughs> I guess I guess my, my big takeaway here is, you're not better than me for liking the Andy Griffith show. You're almost certainly a worse person than me for this, actually. We discovered that, like, this was supposed to just be a fun thing where we make, where we razz on a TV show, and we discovered the worst guys. Like, <laughs> we really discovered, like, the origin of evil in America. <laughs> Fucking insane. Well, thanks. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> thanks, Joe, for being here during our dark journey. <laughs> thanks, thanks for shit-talking my home. I appreciate it. No, no, Joe, no. Joe, no, we, no, no. We, where, where should I go? If I, I, we North defended Carolina's... your home. We, if no. anything, we were like, like, how dare these people slander your home? North Carolina seems like a beautiful place. My father actually lives in North Carolina, and I've never been there. <laughs> I thought I'd seen North Carolina and, dis- and disliked it, but apparently I haven't seen jack shit, so... 
Turns out you actually hate Indiana, and that's okay. And you know what? We're taking the firm stance. Indiana could fuck itself. Yeah, I've been to Indiana, and it sucks ass. All right, Joe. Pointless place in the world. Joe, where should we go in North Carolina? Or if you don't want to talk about North Carolina, which is understandable, where can we listen to your shit? Don't see. I don't want to dox myself, so I have to be very careful here. (laughs) Okay. Don't just. Talk don't about come, the breaking don't, Mayberry fans will swat your house if you give them an ounce of vulnerability. Maynard Barry is coming. Oh, <laughs> yeah. the, the Mayberry Man fans will swat my house if they hear us. What are you talking about? No, go to the beach. Just go touch sand, you nerds. You um, nerds. No, I host two podcasts because I hate myself and also sleep. Oh uh, yeah, Christ- I forgot. I forgot to promote your other podcast. It's, it's okay, ahead. Christmas Creeps, which I've done for. Well, we just started our eighth season, and I I can't believe I even said that out loud. But yeah, we t- we shit talk Christmas movies much in the same spirit as you guys shit talk the Andy Griffith Show all year round. That's at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. You can go follow us and do all that fun stuff. And also, my second podcast is called the OST Party, where my co-host and I take a movie soundtrack and we break it down song by song. And kind of just talk about like the cult, like the cultural moment of that movie and that soundtrack, and how, how and why it's all terrible. <laughs> have you done the Jerry Maguire soundtrack? Because I feel like that one would have some fucking meat on those bones. That really would. We've talked about it before. Maybe someday soon. Like our most recent one was on Wayne's World for that for the thirtieth anniversary, <laughs> and we just felt so old. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, that's but, an important one. Yeah, but yeah, OST Party on Twitter, Christmas Creeps on Twitter. I am at Cordial Wombat on Twitter as well. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. We are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. Uh, I think I'm going to put these fucking terrifying pictures of Maynard J. Barry up on Instagram. Along with all the YouTube clips that were shared in this chat, we're, we're dumping all of it in there. Okay, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. This is our 100th episode. This is an extra long episode. And arguably our saddest, I think. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Gonna get says, Dan, thank you for going on this journey with me. I know you didn't want to do it at first. I know you've been trying to escape for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've developed Stockholm Syndrome, basically. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you on my side, and I'm glad to have you as my host, my co-host, the other host. The other, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what we say. Joe, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, listeners, for sticking around with us for a hundred stupid episodes. A hundred godforsaken episodes. We're going to wrap this all up here. Here's to, God, I hope not a hundred more. <laughs> oh, God, please. Let, please us be in, let us be in different places in our lives by then. I'll be back for number 200. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're dragging you to hell with us, bud. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Good night, everybody. We'll see you all down at the fucking fishing hole. Uh-oh.